Good morning. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's page 989, and if you're using one of these black Bibles. Um, have you ever been at a restaurant and you order breakfast and it doesn't come, it doesn't come, and it doesn't come, and you're, you're asking, you know, are they out, are they out back waiting for the hen to lay the eggs, or are they milking the cow, or, well, this is Andy George, um, he's about to kill a chicken, and he decided back in 2015 that he wanted to have a chicken sandwich, and he wanted to make it from scratch. So, he planted a garden, and he planted lettuce, and he planted cucumbers, and he planted tomatoes, and he planted wheat, and he planted dill, uh, and he then flew to Los Angeles to go to the ocean and get, he lives in Minnesota, um, to get seawater so he could boil down the water and make salt. Uh, he proceeded to... Um, go to a farm and milk a cow to make the cheese and make the butter um, and the mayonnaise. Then he went uh, to the to the aviary and and uh, got a chicken and killed the chicken with his bare hands and cuts it up and um, first time for you know all this for him and it took six months. <laughs> Fifteen hundred dollars, <laughs> and he he made pickles with the you know with the cucumbers, and he he, he opens this all up, and he, he makes his sandwich, and um, he he made his bread. He said the hardest thing was to to crush the seeds to make oil from seeds, um, and he bites into it, and he says, you know. It's it's not bad, <laughs> and that that he's like that was about all he could say. Um, the the cheese and the mayonnaise were were a little off, and um, but he wasn't impressed. But he he said that there is this huge complex network, this matrix of farmers and. Uh, Producers and packagers and shippers and businesses and even geeks like me that are running databases so that everybody, you know, people know the supply and demand and what stores are out of and, and shopping centers so that you can decide one afternoon, I'd like a chicken sandwich. And within a few minutes and with a few dollars, you can make a chicken sandwich. You can have a chicken sandwich, but that requires all kinds of people doing all kinds of different things. And it doesn't go so well when we decide that, well, I'm going to just do everything myself. This morning, I have three points from from this passage, from chapter 12. We are, we have the, the message of the Spirit. The unity of the Spirit, and then the display or the manifestation of the Spirit. The message of the Spirit, the unity of the Spirit, and the display of the Spirit. Let's look in verses 1 through 3. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. 
You, you know that you were dumb, you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give to you to understand that no man, speaking by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So he, he says that, brethren, I, concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you ignorant. And a lot of times this is used to say that, okay, we, we, we can't be ignorant about the gifts and we've got to figure out exactly what each one of these gifts are and how they're expressed and how they're to be used in our church. And, uh, and it is good to know about the gifts. But even in this passage, Paul is, is, is not very precise. It's, it's just, it's more of a listing of gifts as a, as an example. And if you look at other passages that have lists of gifts, they overlap. But some of these gifts are there and some of them aren't. And, and other lists have gifts that aren't in this list. Now, Jamie has been uh, teaching on Sunday nights from Ephesians 4, working through that. And he recently came to this passage a couple times, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and, and talked down through these gifts. But notice the contrast here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And then, verse 3, wherefore I give you to understand. So he's saying, I don't want you ignorant. I want you to understand. But the question is, what does he want us to understand? He wants them to understand that... No man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. No man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. He's wanting them to understand that, yes, there's spiritual gifts, but those spiritual gifts are used to give a message. And any, any gifting, any ministry, any working that says that Jesus is accursed is not of the Holy Spirit. You need to understand that. And you need to understand that the gifts are given for speaking a message. And that message is that Jesus is the Lord. Now, before they came to Christ, people were led astray of dumb idols. And those dumb idols, those those speechless idols they are they are leading people astray and they're leading people down the path that ends up with this this ultimate declaration of Jesus is accursed you see our fleshly desires our temptations and sin our uh, the, the world around us is calling us down a path that ends up what we're saying when we when we give in to that temptation what we are what we are declaring is Jesus is still on the cross Jesus is under the curse 
He's still being cursed. It's as if we are spitting on the sacrifice that Jesus has made. And we're saying, it doesn't matter to me. This word accursed is anathema. It's, it's a, 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 I want it away from me. I don't want the sacrifice that Jesus has made. So let him be anathema. Let him be accursed. Let him stay there. There's a seriousness to our sin. It declares something. It leads down a path. It leads to a road that that denies the very thing that we have put our faith in. And that is the, the, the work of Jesus Christ and His resurrection from the dead. That we have put our faith in that. And when we go down, and we, we, when we are led astray of our own selfish desires, we are spitting on His sacrifice. We're trampling it under our feet. That's, that's where that road goes. And, and Paul is setting this contrast up of Jesus is accursed or Jesus is Lord. You see, the other path is led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us to say, end of verse 3, that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, if I go downtown Rockland and I start, start offering people 10 bucks to say these four words, Jesus is the Lord, I, I bet I'd have some takers on that. I bet some people would be like, yeah, 10 bucks, Jesus is the Lord. Okay, pay up. <clears throat> so it's more than just blabbing the words. It's more than just saying this. And... You know, I, I, I've, I've talked to some guys and there's, there's a strange thing about, about this phrase this, this, that, that people try to do, that saying that Jesus is Lord. You talk to people about, oh, well, well that we need to take him to recognize that he is Lord. That word Lord meaning authority, controller, master. That we need to recognize this. And and people will say, oh, no, no, no. I don't make Jesus Lord. Jesus already is Lord. Absolutely. I have no question about that. Jesus is Lord. It doesn't matter if we say He is or not. He still is. Why? Because the Father declared... That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. That fact is true. But if we don't acknowledge it and recognize it, then we are simply saying that Jesus is accursed. You see, our path of discipleship, of following Christ, should more and more, deeper and deeper, be recognizing that Jesus is the authority. Saying, both with our words, but also with our actions, that our words and our works come together to declare, Jesus is the Lord. You see, there's... there's 
There's plenty of facts. There's plenty of, of laws that we can, we can say, okay, there's gravity. There's this thing called gravity. It is true. But if I deny it, I'm going to have a really hard time. If I'm just saying, okay, well, it doesn't, you know, doesn't matter to me. I'll just, you know, set this egg over here. Oh, why did that happen? Because you're not recognizing a truth that this exists. But it comes, it's more than just its existence. It's that we are knowing it. We are living it. We are declaring it. We are saying it. And we say that only by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way that we can truly declare this, claim this as our message, is by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So it's not just blabbing the words. It's, it's making, recognizing that Jesus Christ is the authority. That He, all power has been given unto Him. And we are submitted to that Lordship. We are submitted to His authority. And we, we demonstrate that with how we live. He gets to tell me what to do. He has authority over my life. And that is through the work of the Holy Spirit. And it comes from denying and dying to those selfish desires which lead us down the path to Jesus is accursed. And turning from that and recognizing, okay, Jesus is Lord, so I'm going to do what He says. Look at the... the, The Great Commission. Christ says all power has been given unto Him. And then He calls us to make disciples, teaching them to obey all things, all that which I have commanded you. All things I have commanded you. What is He saying there? Is He saying that... Notice that it does not say, teach them everything I have commanded you. It says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. There's a difference there. Because it's not just simply knowing it, it's showing it. It's not just knowing Jesus' commands and knowing the, these passages of Scripture, it's demonstrating that. It's not just knowing that He is Lord, it's living that out. Jamie and I, um, I've been taking a class on discipleship, and Jamie and I were discussing some of these things and some aspects of being a disciple, and one of the things that a disciple does is he, he lives his life according to what the master says, what the teacher says. He doesn't just learn these things, but he says, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do what the master says to do. And Jamie just looked at me and he said, you know, imagine, if we as a people just decided right here and now, I'm going to do what he commands. I'm, I'm just, that's what I'm going to do. Those temptations, those distractions, all of those desires that I have. Nope. 
I'm going to do what Jesus says to do. I am going to obey everything that he commanded. If we would simply do that. And in the day in and day out of life, often we, we don't die to ourselves. And we follow after these things. And we don't submit to Christ as our Lord, as our master, as our controller, as our authority. It's, it's, a, it's an ongoing daily thing. It's not, it's not simply just a one-time thing that I say Jesus is Lord or something like that. No, it's a dying to yourself daily and declaring this and recognizing this for yourself. This is the message that the Spirit is working in and through us. This is when in Acts when it says that the Word of God multiplied. It's talking about His, his authority, His rule, his, his, the teaching to obey those commandments. His commandments over people they are coming underneath that authority of the Word. They're, they're submitting to that. That's the multiplication of the Word, is that more and more people are coming underneath this authority. We, when we say, in Jesus' name, Amen, we, we, we add this on to our prayers, so that we are to pray in Jesus' name. What does that mean? Pray in someone's name. Well, when a messenger would come from someone with authority, they would say, I'm coming to you in the name of the king. I'm coming to you in the name of this great man. In other words, this isn't my own authority. It's just little old me here. But I am coming to you in the authority of this one I'm naming. You see, when we say in Jesus' name, amen, we're recognizing in and of myself, I have no authority to come and request anything from the Father. But in Jesus' name, in Jesus' authority, I come not in my authority, but in Jesus' authority to ask the Father for these things. Because I have no standing without Christ. But in Christ, I'm a loved child of the Father and I can go to Him. So I don't come in my name, I come in Jesus' name, in His authority. This is, this, this whole message is, this uh, whole, the, the working of the Spirit, the gifting of the Spirit has to come under the authority of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And therefore our gifts must be used in a way that Jesus is in charge of how I use my gifts. I don't just get to use them for my own selfish desires. Okay, moving on. Verse 4, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations or working, but it is of the same God which worketh all in all. The unity of the Spirit here, notice, 
Verse 4, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, the same Lord, Jesus. Verse 6, the same God, the Father. Do you see the, the, the unity, the triune Godhead right here? The Spirit, the Son, the Father. They are all coming together, giving a, a diversity of gifts. So it's easy to look at these, the differences, the way people work, the way people function, or the gifting that somebody has been given. And it's easy to think, boy, I don't know if, I don't know if they're doing what God wants them to do. I don't know if they are, they aren't doing it the way that God has led me to do this. This is, that's not my gift. And what, what we're being taught here is that yes, yes, there are differences, but there is unity. There is a distinction. There's a difference in the operations. There's, there's a different way of doing things within this body. And that's beautiful. Because it's all united around a single message that Jesus is Lord. It all hangs on that. And so the, the Trinity is declaring this in this, this network. Just as Andy George uh, discovered, <laughs> there are many people making it so he can have a chicken sandwich. Well, the church is made up, the congregation is made up of many different gifts, many different workings, many different operations, but there's one unity. There's one message. There's one Lord. There's one God. Connie is away for 18, 19 days. And when I'm away, she says that all the electronics, after about a week, all the electronics just gradually start to break down. They just stop working and they don't really get going again until sometimes Warren can get them going, but usually they wait until I get home as well. When Connie's away, everything but the electronics, <laughs> everything else stops working. You know, so by the end of a trip, you know, by the end of this trip, Warren and I are just gonna, is gonna have a spoon and a bowl and we'll just eat cereal and, you know, maybe we'll do instant oatmeal for a real special, special meal. Um, but our electronics, they'll be fine. We may not see the sun, but um, we'll we'll have our internet and we'll have our our uh, computers. Why is that? Because God, when He puts a family together, He puts differences and He brings those together for a common purpose. Of a, a, a community, a bond, a united goal towards, towards love, towards affection, towards raising children, towards, towards growth, towards strength. But it doesn't come from us all being exactly alike. It comes from the fact that, you know, yeah, I can fix computers and Connie can, can fix everything else. It's, 
It's that that bonded that bond that comes through the through the unity of love that allows us as a church to have different gifts and at the same time all be saying the same message. This these differences often end up in the fact that people end up getting underutilized because they diminish their gifts or they elevate other gifts. And we're going to be talking about that next week, or two weeks from now, uh, the rest of this chapter. But I think in, in particularly in our circles, the the teaching gifts have been elevated higher and higher to the point where a service like this, a time like this, a gathering, a meeting, it becomes, this ends up being the the identifying Christian work. This is, this is how we're known, that we, we get together on Sundays. But there's many gifts. There's many gifts. And Jamie and I talked about this, that there's, Pastors have, have not helped themselves because many times pastors have elevated their gifts and so they have this reputation that they don't have respect for other gifts. I know for a fact that one of the reasons why Jamie is teaching Ephesians 4 on Sunday nights is because he wants to see the body express their gifts. He is, he knows he is not the omnicompetent pastor, the all-competent pastor that has all the gifts and can express them perfectly. No. It takes us. It takes a, a variety, a difference, a diversity. But it's all of the same spirit. It all has to come under the fact that Jesus is Lord. It all has to declare that in our gifts, in our use of our gifts, that we are saying, Jesus is Lord. That's what unites these gifts. Then moving on, the display. Oh, I don't want to move on yet. I got one more thing. Before we move on. Verse 11, and this is in verse 6 too. Uh, but verse 11 says it more clearly. But all these worketh that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally or individually as he will. In other words, you may be sitting here this morning and saying, well, I don't, I'm not gifted. I have not been given a spiritual gift. That's not what Scripture says. It says that every man is given a gift and he's given them, he's given it individually as he will, severally as he will. That he's giving this gift. It is the same, verse 6, there are diversities of operations or, or work but is the same God which worketh all in all. 
All of us are given a gift. If you do not know what your gift is, I know there are gift profiles and all questionnaires and things, but a really simple way to start, to know what the Spirit is leading you to do or to how to work. It's something that Pastor Jamie's been calling us to a number of times now is that we would get together, we would read Scripture, we would discuss Scripture, and we would pray about that Scripture and what God is saying to us. And we would pray that God would use that Scripture to illuminate His Word to us. And as you do that, as you function in this way, reading God's Word, and I would recommend doing it with someone else so that you can discuss what that passage is saying and praying about it. Over time, if, if you keep a record, if you, okay, this is what, this is what I believe Jesus was, this is what the Word was saying. Jesus is Lord. Okay. Write that down. Keep a record of that. You look back over that, over two, three months, God's leading you. God's speaking to you through His Word. You'll see, He is saying something. He is telling me something. It's, it's, it's necessary that we do, we, we recognize that yes, I've been given a gift from God. I need to use it well. I need to use it as He says I use it because He is Lord. Then finally, the display of the Spirit. Verse 7. But the manifestation, so that is to make plain, to display, to show. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to, once again, every man to profit with all. Profit being good, with all meaning with everyone, with all. So it's the, it's to profit, it's to be a good thing for the body. The all here is talking about believers. It's talking about this, this, this church of Corinth. That they, and for us, it's talking about this church. It's talking about us. It's talking about the congregation. So our gifts are to be used for the good of others. For the good of one another. That this is how the Spirit is made manifest. This is how it's shown. Because we can kind of look at these spiritual gifts and we can say, okay, well, it's, it's, you know, is this inside of me and is this some private thing that I have? No, it is expressed, it's made manifest, it's displayed by doing good for others. Now there are those in the world who do good things for other people. There's charities and there's good causes and they do good things. But ultimately, those good things fail because they aren't empowered by the Spirit. They aren't under the authority of Jesus Christ. 
They aren't directing the person to the message of the Spirit, that Jesus is Lord. So, they do good, but ultimately, it doesn't end the way it needs to end. It doesn't go towards full goodness, towards Christ. So, in order to do true good, we must have the Spirit. We must be empowered by the Spirit in order to do good for one another. At the same time, if we are not doing good for one another, then we are not showing what the Spirit has gifted us to do. See, both, both here, that the good works and the Spirit must be present so that the good works are truly good. They draw us, they point us to Christ. But that the, the, but also that the Spirit is made manifest, that it is displayed, that it is shown. And if we aren't doing good for one another, then we aren't displaying, we aren't making shown, showing this truth that Jesus is Lord. Okay, spoiler alert. This all comes down to a head at chapter 13. And chapter 13 starts out, it's the the love passage, okay? And often we look at chapter 13 almost isolated from the rest of the book of Corinthians. But what he's saying is that the gifts are all in the context of love. The context that wraps around our use of our gifts, our display of our gifts, is love. That supersedes all of this. And if we are using our gifts to build ourselves up, or if we're withholding our gifts from somebody that we don't necessarily like or don't get along with or has different gifts than we have, we aren't showing love for one another. We aren't, it's not this, this, the profit with all, the common good that we need to be expressing for each other because that is the expression of the Spirit in our lives. So notice we have two things here. We have the Spirit causing us to say that Jesus is Lord. And we have the Spirit gifting us to serve one another. Okay? He's causing us to say that Jesus is Lord. He's gifting us to serve one another. Does that remind you of anything? Perhaps when the lawyer asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want to show you something. Look back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That's your 
innermost organs. That's your, your body, your flesh. With all your soul, that is your, your breath, your life itself. And with all thy might, that is your presence, your uh, the muchness, your yourself, your, your who you are, your energy. In other words, everything you've got, all of it is covered here, and it's all to be loving the Lord your God. But notice with me, what does this? Where does this command start? <laughs> the Lord. Our God is one Lord. That's the foundation of the greatest commandment. The the lordship and the authority of our God. Who wouldn't want to love this God? Who would do what he's done for us? who has such great authority and has given that, has has used that authority to, to empower us to change lives, to transform sinners into saints, that we have been given that that call under the authority of Christ. And so that that truth The Lord our God is one Lord. Lays the foundation for this great commandment. Now turn, turn to Leviticus 19. The second greatest commandment. Leviticus 19. Verse 17 and 18. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor. Meaning you should call him to truth. And not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. I am the master. So the second commandment, its foundation, it's, it's a, a, a recognition of the lordship, the authority that God has over us because it's not natural. <laughs> To love our neighbor as ourself. It's not a natural response to simply to say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to love this guy sacrificially. I'm going to love, I'm going to love my enemies. And what we're declaring when we, when we refuse the, the selfish ambitions and when we go and serve others, What we're declaring is that Jesus is my authority. So through the gifting of the Holy Spirit, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, he calls us to this message that Jesus is Lord. And he gifts us to serve 
one another in love. And in that serving, in that work, it's not simply our words that say that Jesus is Lord, but it's, it's our lives that declare that before all men. Folks, both, both must be taking place within this body. That's the expression of the Holy Spirit. That yes, that we know these truths, but that we're, we're showing them. Showing them to one another and showing them to those around us. Showing them to the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that all power has been given unto Jesus. Thank you that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That he truly is the authority over me and my life. And I pray that I would recognize that. I pray that we would know that, that we would demonstrate that, we would display that authority and that submission. Lord, we don't deserve to be transformed. We don't deserve to be forgiven. We don't deserve to to have justification to be declared righteous. So we we don't ask these things in our name or our authority. We ask these things in the authority and in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.